Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm Will Johnson. We're new. Are we new anymore? This is 10 episodes in. We're seasoned, and we're damn glad to have you, (laughs) folks. This is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. And I have a feeling this one's going to get chippy. This week, in honor of Cruella coming out on Disney+, Plus, which feels an awful lot like a little Joker Jr., we're going to talk about Todd Phillips' Joker from 2019. It is recommended as uh, by me, Don Shanahan, as the lover. And our format is this. The recommended lover goes first. They get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case, which I'm going to enjoy. The hater, Will Johnson, Phoenix, Arizona. I don't have his address or his phone number, but you can find him on Twitter in Badmouth Molly One. Let's get the intel stuff going from two years ago right back. Follows <laughs> with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, we open up for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. We hope you've got your judge's scorecard, and we hope you skin all of your Dalmatian puppies in time for Cruella coming out. Whenever it does, folks, it's not just Cruella. It's the Joker tonight. Let's go. Yeah, I Will- want to clarify. Uh-oh, here it comes. That I recommended Joker because um. we, were looking, we were looking for stuff uh, to discuss on the show. Uh, Cruella was coming out and I noticed that it's kind of like Joker for tween girls. It seems, um, yeah. and also, and also not surprising to anyone who knows me as a Marvel shill, mm-hmm. but I was looking for films that I hate and Joker is one of the films I really hate. And I, so I recommended it. The fact that you're a lover of it both doesn't surprise me okay. and disappoints me oh, in many ways. So. But I just want to make it clear that I recommended this because I let the hate flow through me. Ooh, you're not just a Marvel shill. You're the thing that Disney bought that goes with it. All right, I see where you're going. <laughs> All right, take yep. your $2 billion, buy your Lucasfilm, and have a good time. All right. All right. I'm firing up the timer. Five minutes of Joker. All right. Got it. So with this movie, I mean, there has been in two years, and even before this movie came out, because I remember the press – wave of when it debuted in venice and all the you know that, that festival screening stuff always gets things hot and bothered in a hyperbole fashion and there were all kinds of hot button words that were branded about uh branded i should say into the film flesh that was todd phillips's joker some of them were complimentary some of them were damning but they really before this movie came out it didn't feel like the, that those you know those marks were going to rub away and there's a lot of fiery adjectives you can go for. You know, there's external controversy that, you know, a lot of people kind of read a, a zillion things into this film. And, you know, there's trigger warnings and projections and every angle in the world that's been spun on Joker then, you know, before, then and now. And I feel like when I kind of took this whole movie and I kind of centered it to where I can do the one word that really stood out to me was gall. And according to dictionary.com, there are four possible meanings of the noun that span impudence, severity, bitterness of spirit, and rancor. And to go a little cruder, the Urban Dictionary just goes straight out and says audacity, balls, or something risky. And for me, the Joker was every single one of those things. The fancy stuff in dictionary.com and the Urban Dictionary. For me, 
the Joker kind of had the gall to kind of go to an R-rated level of violence, which you didn't get a lot. I mean, you got your Deadpool stuff for playful fun. And you got your kick-ass stuff for playful fun. But to to do it with a straight face and to do it with a mean streak, I was impressed. The performers had all the gall in the world to attempt generating sympathy for a villain and show those kind of connective actions in all their uncomfortable kind of cruelty. And to me, you know, that's also set off a lot of things in terms of making, can you make the Joker a sympathetic hero or can you even try or a sympathetic villain, I should say. And the Joker in the same time kind of had the gall to shove away all the sunny glibness of what comic movies have been up to that point and kind of at their peak popularity, because this was two years ago, we're coming off of Endgame. Like comic books were at a heroic high and here comes this brazen movie to kind of just smear all that and go, fuck it, we're going dark. And the writers kind of took that opportunity to have, again, the gall to kind of place a maze of social commentary trails and, you know, not really to borrow from any kind of comic source and to kind of very much be revisionist in terms of what you can do with Joker. And that's ballsy and that's difficult. And the director of the studio kind of had the gall to do this on a, you know, and put it as an awards contender. I mean, put it out there in the competitive film festival circuit you know, right before dropping it into big, big audiences and, you know, just into the general existence, you have this at the time we were all kind of going, wait, you got Jared Leto's Joker, which, you know, isn't the best, but it's out there. What are you doing with another one? And we know DC likes to do Elseworlds kinds of things. And there was potential for all that. But, you know, for me, every fleck and pore of this movie is drenched in gall. And I kind of love that. And because you got you know tears and bloody smears you have the insolence that kind of becomes drastic and for me i couldn't take my eyes off the movie and there's kind of a twisted pair of narrative vines one that descends in evil and the other one rising out of motivated malice and i know the joker's origin story comic wise is something that is i don't want to say taboo but something that isn't always taken care of or really presented or it's it's it, it jumps around or it doesn't it's 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 on loose ground because it is meant to be kind of ambiguous. And now that we can kind of be spoiler warning and go two years later on this movie, I'm of that. I'm of that ilk of people who watch this movie and think it is all in his head. And they never leave that room that we see him at the beginning and the end of the movie running out of. And I know that's a ballsy fan theory to kind of buy into and drink the Kool-Aid on, or in this case, some nice dark non-alcoholic beer on. But uh, I buy that because and when I go there and think about, well, if they could, they do that. And have they done that? And if Todd Phillips and them, you know, and who's been very coy, even two years later, about not saying what's good and what's solid about this movie. And I love that ambiguity because they went for it with an Oscar winning performance from a darn good actor and got it. And then they took this movie where you don't know what's really firm and what's really legit, but you know, all the way it's sinister and evil. And that's ballsy. And not a lot of movies have the balls to go there. Not a lot of the movies have the gall to put that out there. And I was impressed. Um, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, I still gave it a big old five. But at the same time, I just, I gave it a five because of effort. And I gave it a five because of what it could do to ch- kind of change things. Never expected this to connect to Batman. Never expected this to be a DCEU thing. I was just kind of pleased that, I'll, that it took something I wholly couldn't expect and went there. Is it Scorsese borrowed light? Yeah, probably we'll get to that in 15 minutes. But my five minutes showing us some love are up. So, you know, yeah. in a, 
you know, in a cartoon or in a in a goofy movie, like when someone gets hit in the head, and then their eyeballs they 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 roll in the back of their head so much and so far they end up turning around and around and around, and uh, it looks like those little things in in um, gambling machines, whatever they're called. That's how much I was rolling my eyes at what you just said. So, uh oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Minutes uninterrupted. Excuse me. Sorry, I just had to put that in there because uh, Disney pays me to say these things. Hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, right. anyway. Get, get so. your clock. Five minutes, fire away. Okay, so sometimes a film does become more than just a film. I remember walking into the press screening of Joker. Uh, I was already coming off of a siegement of hot takes and outrage over what the Joker could do, and uh, what it represents in this challenging social climate we find ourselves in in the United States. As I was wanted by security, which is not a joke, I was actually wanted by security for this movie. That's how real the word of mouth was on how damaging this movie could be. All of that flow of information sped into my head, and I, it made me think, I'm living in a cultural moment. I'm not simply seeing a movie. Um, and that is where the disappointment comes in, because all the hubbub and the wine-ranging publicity is much ado about nothing. Uh, Joker's not going to make you root for a psychopath. It's not going to make you take arms against the elite either. It won't inspire you to commit murder, and it will certainly not make you find sympathy for the devil, or at least his jester. No, it will probably entertain you. It may even shock you. But also, it could surprisingly bore you. It really bored me. Uh, For Joker, despite the whirlwind of news around it, was a fairly simple, mundane origin story, like many comic book movies that came before it. And like many, quote, I'm using my quote fingers, edgier comic book movies from yesteryear, Joker makes the same mistake those films did by assuming ramped up intensity equals compelling drama, or that style overcomes a lack of substance. Yes, Joker is a beautifully crafted imitation of Scorsese's New York circa the mid-70s. I think it takes place in 82, but, but it is still just that, an imitation. Walking uh, Phoenix does go to some Christian Bale-like levels of horrifying body disfigurement and dedication turned up to 11 that makes his performance realistic, but he does so to service an underwritten, predictable shell of a person. The most shocking revelation coming out of Joker was how incredibly one-note Phoenix's performances was, despite the intense dedication. I believe because of this, audiences have tricked themselves into thinking Phoenix's devotion automatically means the film is good. But sadly, no one else involved in front of or behind the camera provides the film with the same dose of energy Phoenix gives his ironically boring anarchist. The screenplay, which was co-written by Joker's director Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, is pretty thin. Both men have separately been nominated for Academy Awards writing for savvier material, especially in the case of Phillips, whose Oscar-nominated screenplay for Borat was a thrilling satire of Bush America. Um, Phillips, both in script and direction, does not provide any reason for setting this film in 70s Gotham, uh, what is often considered the NYC of the DC Universe. There are only superficial eye winks and head nods to cultural artifacts of that time, and any attempt to mimic the malaise of the Carter years with mentions of funding cuts across the board and an impending recession, are taken at their word and barely shown. The decay and scum of Gotham is simply window dressing for a stage play. You never at any point feel the intensity of that environment. Uh, In Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, the two Scorsese films Joker most wants to emulate, 
you could smell the foul corners of the city. You could taste it on the tip of your tongue for better or worse. Joker simply tells you a certain place is bad as opposed to making you actually feel it. Where adding this superficial setting to an already thin screenplay, you get Phoenix doing a lot of prancing around in service of mostly nothing. Now, I could go into this. I may go into this in the 15-minute section about what, who's going to die on what hill of who's the best Joker, blah, 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 blah. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that this the movie kind of needs Batman, but also to be legitimate doesn't need Batman. So it's kind of in this weird um, paradox because to have Batman in it would sully the story, but to not have Batman in it, you don't have the Joker has anyone to work off of. He's not a foil to work off of with anybody. Um, so, so basically Phoenix has virtually no one to play off of. That's a big factor. Um, there are some other people. Robert De Niro is criminally underused. Fran the always dependable Francis Conroy is kind of in and out. You never know if she's telling the truth or not. Um, basically, you know, they have a lot of talent that they don't utilize. Um, there are other revelations and traumas that are uncovered in the film that I won't go into due to spoilers, which we'll maybe talk about spoilers in the 15 minute section, but Needless to say, you know too much about why Arthur Fleck, who is Joaquin Phoenix's character, becomes the Joker that you can't garner sympathy or hate for him. He's just there. And frankly, simply being crazy is not a strong enough motivation to carry over two hours of screen time. Um, that's all. I, I had one more thing, but we'll talk about that in the 15-minute section. Once again, once again, Don knows how to finish those five minutes up nice and succinctly. And I just go, oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I put the timer on. I get the, the joy of watching the clock go down. So, no, no I tell you what, um, to go back to the beginning of your five, I'm right there with you that all of the pre hype that came with this movie, which I'm really good at avoiding. You know me. I'm not into trailers. I I don't right. read I don't read other people's reviews until I write my own. Um, obviously, some of this was a little bit unavoidable. And you obviously had the news stories of just, you know, we had Aurora Colorado back when Heath Ledger and the Dark Knight came out and, the, you know, the imitating crowd. And unfortunately, Twitter being the cesspool of bullshit people that it is, you know, and <laughs> the, the whole insul, you know, I, you know, demographic of audience is an issue that is out there that unfortunately gets incensed by lots of things. I'm with you. This movie did not. What I want to say, this movie did not become the firebrand that it was that people it was over i guess what i'm saying is the outrage was overhyped and you're right and i don't think while the outrage was overhyped i don't think the film was i think the film was still courageous enough to do what it wanted to do and i'm okay that there's no hero here um i felt no like all the things you went mentioned in your opening five i felt none of that i i didn't get my insult trigger busted i didn't feel like a less of a man i wasn't gonna get pitchforks and guns and turn into the purge over here on chicago i you know i had no sympathy for that character and by the time the movie ends i don't want it and that's fine i thought all of it was par for the course and by design in, in a good way because had the movie done that then we are talking about deeper portrayals not just of canon but just even of uh, even of performance and even of properness and even of the triggers that so many people get into right yeah back uh, you there yeah, and, and another thing, let's just take out the cultural uh, situation. 
Uh-huh. Um, another criminal of this film, and maybe you'll agree with me on this. Okay. And I, I noticed this problem recently because I actually went back to the theater twice. And I know you went back to the theater as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I went as a paying customer. So unlike press screenings, I had to watch trailers. So I saw a bunch of trailers I didn't want to see, like Suicide Squad and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this was before I met you or I knew <laughs> you a lot. So I was still watching trailers for like hyping myself up for stuff. Uh Um, So let's just take out the cultural stuff. Mm -hmm. The marketing for this film really didn't help because the trailers were pretty much ABC storytelling of the entire movie. Um, I can agree with that. Seeing the trailers after the fact. Yeah. They gave way too much away. Like Joker had pretty much been over advertised to death. Mm-hmm. And so there were minimal surprises when you watched the movie because you're like, oh, I saw that in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so me going into it being entirely surprised was awesome for me. And so th- maybe, that has, maybe that helps. But also, I don't know how close you are to how close are you to the other iterations of the Joker? Oh, I mean, I'm well-versed, you know, I, we've talked about having a future show on the dark Knight, and obviously Heath Ledger has his mantle where he's going to have a pedestal in a place in, in cinema history and, and, and earned one in my opinion. I think Jack Nicholson, I, if we're going to talk about Hills to die on, I love Jack Nicholson because yes. I feel like he is the deranged enough yet still, clever and dangerous like he's not all ham and of course you and i are both 60s batman fans where caesar romero is a hoot yes and unfortunately and i don't know if i'm on if i i don't know how the marvel show feels about this but to me the most ultimate joker that's ever been done is still probably mark hamill and it's just his voice and how he's drawn oh sure absolutely yeah i'm okay What's so let me, let me break down my takes on the other jokers uh jared leto i'm not jared leto whatever his name is yeah i'm not going to talk about that one i don't think he's as bad as everyone says no i don't i, I don't think he's make... great great either he didn't yeah. like make a, a stamp on the culture because we have to remember one thing there is actually more actors who have won oscars for playing the joker than i believe mm. there are actually black male actors who've won best actor <laughs> so Ooh. it's a it's a it's a role yeah. that like for some reason people and this is what i talked about with the dedication part i think people see the dedication to the role as good uh and not the role itself but let me go on to the other jokers okay. real quick just so, to be the ostrich stat, stat guy there's been yeah. more african-american lead males than two joker winners don't worry Okay, I wasn't sure how accurate that was because how many best actor? Maybe we can do this as a, a side well, you project. Got, but you got Forrest Whitaker. I can name three off the top of my head already. You've got Forrest Whitaker. Okay. You've got Denzel Washington. You've got Jamie Foxx, and if you want to go far enough back, you got Sidney Poitier. So it, you've got four, which doubles the two Jokers for sure. Got it. Okay, I must me forgetting others. So I must be thinking of something else. So Twitterverse out like there, Hamlet or Sherlock. You know, like. You take classic iconic characters or right. even presidents, and there's probably been more jokers than those. So fair enough. So let's yeah. just pretend I didn't say what I said because it sounds completely <laughs> ignorant and stupid. But you know what? That's what I am. Ignorant and stupid. So, anyways, let me talk about the other jokers. He's got that on tape. And I just <laughs> want you to know that that is on there and it's gonna be in the show. Yes. Uh okay, so uh I kind of have three. Caesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, and Heath Ledger are kind of yep. what I have. Caesar was pure ham. He had no mm-hmm. motivation. He had no motivation other than to be deliciously evil. He, yeah. That's just kind of what he was. He was a very thinly drawn character. 
but I think the actor knew how to nail mm-hmm. fit know, the show too. What, you know, was good. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Nicholson's Jack Napier was pretty cut and dry. He was he was a calculating mob captain looking to move up in his organization. Mm-hmm. The becoming the Joker made him more creative and bonkers. Yeah, and his his unpredictability made him unforgettable. Now the thing is, I'm not. I don't die on the ledger hill. I think he's fantastic. I yeah. don't know. I, I still don't know who did, who is the best Joker. But um, mm. the, the thing, ab- the thing about Ledger's Joker is Ledger's take was defined largely on how much we didn't know about him. True, his, his countless origin stories that he tells throughout this film are of the Dark Knight are obvious lies. His purpose was simply to right. be an agent of chaos. That's it. Right. Um, it wasn't important for us to dig into who he was, like what his motivations were. I think sometimes there's a theory out there in the horror world that the more you explain about the monster, mm-hmm. the less uh, effective they are. I can agree with that. Being a monster. Yeah. So the, the problem with this film is not only is it an origin story, which is something that um, comic book films have learned to stop doing because they are um, – the audience is already generally ahead of the origin story. I agree with that, they, especially a character uh, like this that's been done to death. Right. So not only is this is Joker an origin story, but – it's also a complete breakdown of what makes the Joker who he is. And I just don't think based on the other iterations, including Jared Leto, you need that. I think it lessens his impact. Yeah. I think a Joker Um, that just shows up and tears shit apart is a lot more fun than, because that's probably a part, a piece of, Nicholson's Joker that's done too much is we get Napier for a good long while. And of course the dumb, the dumbass move of making him Joe chill completely unnecessary uh, in comic, out of comic or otherwise, but the rest of Nicholson in terms of characterization is fine, but I, I will, I'll grant you that. Like, I don't think we need a a Joker origin story. It's more fun when he just shows up and that's kind of, and because there's never been a definitive one done other than hints here and hints there, like stand-up comics and killing jokes, stuff like that. That even this movie, I think it's lying to us just as much as Ledger's monologues do just for two and a half hours. Because I think I think the whole like I like I said, I, I buy that theory that we're just watching him make shit up, you know, Kaiser Sose style in this therapy room before he kills the woman and runs out the door and goes goes back for all we know in a modern Gotham and not 1980 Gotham at all. Like I, right. I, I really do think the rabbit hole is that deep and I'm cool with that. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I am kind of the comic book movie guy. I give them all a shot. I mean, oh, me too. Totally. Despite, the, despite the fact that I don't like a lot of the DC extended universe, I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. I give them a shot. I'm happy to sit as you've seen with our prior episode on justice league. Mm-hmm. I will sit and watch the entire four hour and eight minute cut of, of um, justice league because I'm willing to give these things a shot. And that's another thing I have here. Um, okay. It's another problem I have with this movie is okay. We are having the cultural backlash right now. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to other popular things. Um, for some reason, Lord of the Rings doesn't get this, but let's take Titanic, for example, right? Okay. Titanic was the highest grossing film of all time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, everybody loved it. Everybody mm-hmm. saw it a trillion times. It won a trillion Oscars. But then something started to creep in with its popularity. Suddenly yeah. it was, well, actually, Titanic sucks. I okay, know. First of all, sir, People, first of all, that's not true. That? Yeah. First of all, that's not true. Titanic is an amazing movie. Sure is. And there's a reason why people saw it is because it was an amazing movie. Now, I understand the the idea of like something being popular is um, trash. I mean, mm. that's why there's hipsters out there who are like, well, I like that band before they uh, release their mm. big album. You know, we're having that problem now with Marvel. Yes, we because are. Because of Marvel's success. Now, that's why... Any news story right now, recently, Emily Blunt came out and a lot of her stuff was taken out of context where she was talking about how superhero films are exhausted. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I read her full context and I found the backlash to it empty and dumb. Right. But here's the thing. People latch onto that because it's clickbait because there is oh, kind gosh, of this, there is this consensus now that because of the popularity of the superhero film, uh, it's not real cinema. It's uh-huh. trash, popular trash, blah, yeah. blah, blah. We're forgetting the fact that, you know, majority of people have seen these films because they are so popular and wide ranging and uh, acceptable. Completely so, agree. So the reason I bring this up is because I think some of the um, cultural discussion about Joker was talking about how it was, quote, real cinema because it was edgy and it was real and it wasn't like the superhero films that Marvel puts out. I don't think that qualifies it automatically as a great film no, because it that. tries to mock other things. To me, this film is trying too hard to be taken seriously. So okay. much so that they're basically copying Scorsese. And don't get me started on Scorsese. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. We've talked about this in prior episodes. We talked about yeah. this in the Justice League episode. The reason why Marvel is so successful is because they know the line to straddle. They know They know that the idea of superheroes is so absurd that they never take themselves too seriously and they kind of act like mythology, where it's like, I'm not going to take this story too seriously, but I'm going to be emotionally invested. The problem with stories like Joker and Justice League and things like that is they're trying, they're trying so hard to legitimize something that doesn't need legitimizing in the first place. I see where you're that- going. But at the same time, I feel like because this movie is jerking your chain and, and twisting things the way that it does... Right. And doing it in a pretend serious way, or even in a look at me, I'm going to be ballsy looking cinema way. Right. I think all the while, because because I, I do go back and go, this is Todd Phillips. This is old school. This is road trip. This is hangover. He's <laughs> I, I, I take him to be the guy pulling the puppet strings to fuck with us. And I'm very OK with that. And I think this is him thumbing his nose, not just at the squeaky clean stuff of Marvel, but like, I'm going to make something dark and over serious, just to make fun of people who think things need to be dark and over serious. Like, I think he's all in on full manipulation front to back of this movie. And really? Really? I do. I think I don't think he made this just to 
to be Green Book, to be, you know, Peter Farrelly. I, I can make a serious movie now. Look at me. I don't think he was doing this for awards, but I think he was doing this because I got this character who fucks with people. And I can make a movie about this character to fuck with people more and have a damn good time doing it with a great actor, you know, going going all out. And and be, and I think that because of how coy Phillips is in, because I think I think another person would make this movie, and I hate to say the Russos, you know, but would just over explain every single possible thing about it and all the press junkets in the world of like, oh, well, this is what we were going for. All, this character was actually really doing this. Like the Russos over explain their own movies all the time. Phillips won't, and I love that because the ambig- the ambigu the ambiguity he wants to sell is in it front to back, in it out of it, and I I think that that is the line that it toes in a good way because like we we're sitting here bitching about it and arguing about it on how serious it is when watch them go. I'm not even serious about being serious. I'm just doing this to mess with you and have a good time with this character. And because we're not trying to plug this into the DCEU, this is a one-off. All the people who are begging for a sequel, which is likely studio execs because this movie made a ton of money or want this to plug into Robert Pattinson, no thank you. You know, let let this be its own entity. Let this be its own, you know, rug pull of a movie. And I I think you could hang with that. I, okay, I kind of agree with you. This, I think of this and Black Panther as... Uh, films that um, surprisingly... That's just the 15-minute time. We can keep going. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think both this and Black Panther were two comic book films that had some honesty behind them. There was no intention to make like a best picture movie out of yeah. either of these. I yeah. agree with that. Um, but I, I think th- Warner Brothers, by putting this in the festival circuit and running it as an awards contender, was... Definitely the a part of the power move of going. Let me take let me take my rug pull of a movie and still shove it up your ass's prestige, just because you'll fall for it. And I think the people that fall for it are all the pre hype people who get triggered on Twitter. It's the film bros, you know. Who gets this movie is one of the Million Club on Letterboxd, where this Parasite, uh, Pulp Fiction, and Inception I think are the four that have, that have a million reviews. You know, Which is insane the, because most of those movies blow. I know uh, <laughs> those are the ones that are cherished by the by the by the film bro culture, which is not even cinephiles like you and me who see art top to bottom, trash and treasure. These guys just narrow it to I'm going to like something like like you said, avoiding popularity or sentiment because it's not cool or not edgy to like popular and sentiment. So. So you think okay? This is interesting because I think we yeah. both feel that the idea from a buddy here. I'll, here, I'll do this. I'll name drop my guy Emmanuel Noise at Emans Movie Reviews. He's got a good theory where this is all in in, in the in the head, and I'll send it to you and put in the show links or something like that. But keep going. Yeah, yeah go ahead. So I think we both agree that the audiences are duped. <laughs> oh yeah, but you're, but you're but you're saying that it is an intention of the film to do it, yeah. whereas I'm it saying duped. that. It is like the artifice of the film that's doing it, uh, okay. which I find interesting because in the end, we're yeah. both we're both admitting that audiences are getting probably the wrong idea out of yes. what this film is. I, Absolutely, I find, that very, I find that very interesting. Yeah, because um, you I you you take that reaction and hate it. I take that reaction and go, "Nice job." Yeah. See, I don't trust. I don't trust the audience's reaction. Well, this. I don't trust him either. 
and I don't tr- I don't trust the filmmakers' intentions. I'm sorry, Todd Phillips is fine. Yeah, I, I don't I don't hate Todd Phillips or anything. Um, I you're right. I do not think he's doing a uh, Farrelly Brothers thing with Green Book. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think he's got that level of talent to play something that subversive i just can't mm. buy that i think i can i don't think he's that good of a director or a writer yeah. oh no he's like a- yeah from a writing and directing standpoint obviously he's you know he's borrowing like you said some artifice and some mise and scene you know from other filmmakers and other places and borrowing it in the right measures in the right places and then writing wise yeah this movie's full of holes but i think it's intentionally full of holes because they're spinning the way they're spinning yeah this movie deservingly so did not win directing and writing things like that consider it just because they're taking a a new edge to different things but no this this is joaquin and this is you know uh hilder godard's music which you know and yeah the things that are honored in this movie earned it but phillips and i can't i will not give phillips that much credit either i i'll give him credit because he's fucking with us but i won't give him scorsese level i made this perfect amazing piece of cinema thing hell no but that's the thing is is a lot of people maybe oh not yeah. on the, maybe not on the level of a Zack snyder where everyone worships him like a deity but oh but it's close it's close because yeah. everyone assumes that this guy is like god tier mm-hmm. and i'm just like okay you know what I, first of all i've never really been into the comedies that he did so i wasn't yeah. really like infatuated with him in the first place um I don't know. I, I I think it's interesting that we have that perspective that the audience is definitely not taking from it what it should. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that we can – it's kind of like how when people read the Bible, they get different interpretations of the same text. Sure. I think it's funny that we're, we're basically seeing the same result but in different – it's manufactured differently or we feel it's being manufactured yeah. differently. So I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah. I, I got to admit, I, I do think a hand in that for me was going in unhyped. Yeah, that definitely changes some things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm learning that. Uh, like I said, I, I had to see some trailers, and now I have such a skeptical eye to trailers. Yeah, like when I, when I when I saw when I went to see Spiral, the Book of Saw, mm-hmm. there was a trailer for there was a red band trailer for Suicide Squad. Now I have purposely avoided that because I love James Gunn, mm-hmm. and even though I'm not a huge DC guy. I have faith in that director and writer. Yeah. Um, but I got to say, when I saw the trailer, I was immensely disappointed because I was just like, ah, like I wish I didn't see any of this because it's, it's, it, I could tell already it's selling the wrong thing. Um, and that was my issue. I'm mentioning this because that was my issue with Joker was the cultural backlash that, either was supposed to happen or the way I was supposed to feel plus the marketing definitely uh, put a damper in my, my sales, you know, with watching it. Now I will say this, despite the fact that, you know, Disney pays me to talk shit about DC by the way, they don't. Um, I was really excited for this movie. Um, I was super pumped. So there's a lesson learned in that. One is, yes, do not watch trailers. I am learning that slowly um, from you. Um, However, now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I lived for trailers. Because there wasn't wasn't an internet where you could watch it and 
break it down and oh yeah so, yeah we didn't have any of that as kids and and you if you didn't see them in the movie theater they were gone exactly you know, so, they, or in yeah. front of a vhs tape for something maybe you'd see again because yeah like i i remember the super bowl like you the super bowl the super bowl trailers mattered because there was no youtube and if you missed right. them they never played those 30 second two million dollar spots in the movie theater ever that's right and exactly th- and and also this is in a different time where they just didn't over they they didn't oversell movies like they used to or I mean, they, they oversell movies now unlike what they used to because you had those trailers back in the day where you just show a glimmer of a scene throw a few names in the screen and that's all it took i here i'll be the marvel guy did you ever see that i think it's the super bowl teaser did you see the super bowl teaser for ang lee's hulk where it's eric Bana at the sink kind of yes. doing a monologue and that scene's not in the movie whatsoever, but that right. is all it takes to sell it is, you know, this guy is getting angry and he's going to turn green, but all you see is his eye. And then he busts the kitchen sink out of the house and you don't even see the bit, the real deal. But my goodness, are you like, Oh damn, I cannot wait to see that movie. And then of course the movie gets there, you know, and obviously Ang Lee's got hits and misses with the way he tells that movie. But yeah, I, to uh, what has made me stop with the trailers is they oversell they oversell and they over manipulate and they just show too much probably because they're made by people who didn't make the movie and that doesn't help either yeah the last i can i can honestly say this i remember this Mm -hmm. um the last time i saw a trailer that got me excited but also told me nothing about the movie was miami vice there you um, go. Michael Mann's mm-hmm. Miami Vice, because all it was was they were playing that Linkin Park Jay-Z song, which is actually yep. pretty cool, even though I'm not really a big Jay-Z or Linkin Park guy. I hear you. And all it did was show flashes of them driving around Miami, dancing uh-huh. in clubs, and it just said Miami Vice, coming soon. Yeah. And I remember that's kind of the last time I ever remember seeing a trailer where I was like, I want to see that because it looks cool and I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Mar- Marvel is getting better at that because – like, Yeah. Co- co- a couple of the upcoming shows, I like. I, I had no idea what was happening in Wandavision. Like yeah, the, the trailer ones have been me, good. Mm-hmm. The uh, Falcon Winter Soldier gave me nothing away, and Loki. Loki to this day, I could not tell you what's going to happen in Loki. No, I had no good. idea. Yeah, random and so, crazy that one. The so, movies I can't say do as good. Like I think I've seen too much of Black Widow already. I have taken your advice, even though it's pained yeah. me. I have not watched a single Black Widow trailer, so I have no clue okay. what it's about. And I'm very excited about that because it's going to give me – because unlike some of the other stuff, uh, like Captain Marvel when that came out, Ant-Man and mm-hmm. the Wasp, I overwatched those so much that yeah. there was not as much surprise. So I think trailers are getting better, Ooh, but to me – but here's the thing. I am taking your advice and not watching them. Yeah. So I, guess the, I guess my advice is choose your spots. If if there's a movie you know doesn't need you don't need help to see, and and for me I'm 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 easy. I you had me at James Gunn, you know you had me at right. one other like some small random detail or the log line little plot summary. That's all I need. Some yeah. of these like I watch a lot of trailers for little indies that I know nothing about. You know some right, tiny right. little indie movie because I I kind of need to know a little bit of what I'm going into or like if it's going to be worth it or not. How cheap is this thing? But the big stuff that I know I'm going to see no matter what, like Corella, I know I'm going to see it. Don't need it. Didn't know the trailer. In the Heights, I just watched the musical last week, and I, I've never seen the Broadway show, and I kind of don't, you know, I miss the musical. I'm going to be there. It should be pretty decent. 
And I right. it, then the movie blowed me away because I had never even seen the show and then never saw the trailer. So I, choose your spots is, is my best advice. Definitely, definitely. I, I'm the same way. Uh, so I think as we as we exit this episode in terms mm-hmm. of Joker, the lesson learned was is that Joker was definitely a better experience for you, probably because you were not attached to the marketing or the hype machine I agree as that. I was. Mm-hmm. So I am willing on this cinephile hissy fit thing, even though I still hate the movie, <laughs> I I am willing to admit that perhaps my viewing was compromised slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I, willing to admit that you're very right about the outrage that that lacks and isn't there. Okay. Well, hey, yeah. look at that. We're friends in the end. Aww. Aww. Killing you, son of a bitch. We need our little <laughs> high five with the muscle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's go ahead. And uh, do you have, you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted mm-hmm. to start this. Is there, you know, I like to support our fellow podcasts. Is there right. any podcast you would like to recommend that cinephile hissy fit fans, if there's any fans out there, hopefully there is, uh, could listen to that you think would be um, worth their time? Ooh, well, I tell you what, there's many. So we can, I'll, I'll have a new one for weeks. Uh, I'll start with a place I used to uh, write and work for a little bit as a columnist, and I've been a guest in their show many times. Uh, the Feelin' Film Podcast. It's a couple of guys in Seattle and a gentleman in Arkansas, and they try to go towards the feels of films more than the technical merit. Now, they still get into technical merit, but they talk about connections and connecting points, and I like their work. They do a good job. Um, I'm in their little Facebook group, and I'm one of the moderators there and a former columnist. Uh, I used to write a what what we learned this week because you know they've got the teacher and the lesson thing going on where i kind of just took hollywood uh kind of the hollywood headlines of the week and kind of broke them down into like kind of looking at the business behind the scenes a little because i kind of had that press angle and then also the observant movie business guy angle and so yeah i'll, I'll drop the feeling film as a as a recommend for okay. aaron white Kales davis and patrick hicks Nice. Uh, since I just came up with this idea 13 seconds ago and I didn't really think about it, um, I'm not going to uh, I'm going to give a recommendation, but it's probably perhaps for a bigger podcast that, nest, that may, I think they still deserve a shout out Absolutely, um, because because it is horror based. And I think horror films, that's one thing me and Don, I, hopefully in the future, I'm going to get Don to. Uh, dip into some of these horror franchises because I really love horror franchises. But um, there is a horror podcast on the Bloody Disgusting Network. Bloody Disgusting is obviously a pretty big horror news website. Um, it is called Horror Queers. It is hosted by Joe Lipset and Trace Thurman. Uh, and they are um, two openly gay men who discuss um, horror films from a queer angle. Um, oh, okay. and, I, and I find it very fascinating um, because they find a lot of things – that I never would have thought of. Um, for example, they, when they reviewed scream, um, they talked about the potential homoerotic subtext of the two killers, Mm, how there could be some manipulation in play there. That is kind of an undercurrent of serial killer history anyway. Um, so they do kind of take that. They also do some contemporary reviews without any angles or anything, but I find it a very fascinating podcast. Uh, I am part of their Patreon. Um, they're really good. So um, uh, next time I'm going to find a little bit more of an indie one to do. But uh, I've been listening to Horror Queers uh, pretty much nonstop now for the last two months. And I find them really fascinating. And uh, I fully support their podcast. 
How about that? Hit us with the outro, Will. You got it. Uh, so uh, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fits and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fits Podcast. Also find us both, me and Don, on Letterboxd. Um, we get most of our ideas from Letterboxd because Don has like top 100 lists and stuff like that. So I just go hate, 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 hate. Mm-hmm. And then we, we decide to make episodes and then we realize that there's no episodes of what I love and I just become this big hate monger. Uh, just as we planned in this show, let me tell you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, maybe, just maybe, we haven't decided yet, 10 episodes in, if we will post a poll matching this episode for your listeners to weigh in on uh, who you think made the most compelling argument to win this cinephile hissy fit. But like the end of Robot Jocks by Stuart Gordon, we found ourselves, uh, the final shot of this podcast about Joker was us taking hands, a friendly handshake together, as opposed to smashing each other to bits. How about Um, that? We want to thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. As you can tell, I'm a genius improviser. Uh, Cinefall Hissy Fits is a 25YL media podcast. It's brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are only 199 out of 200 reviews away from Rotten Tomatoes territory. So, you know, if you could throw one at us, that'd be great. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, we have much more where that came from. Uh, we already have, uh, we're already looking into, uh, having a guest host in the future. We're just trying to work on the format. Uh, we've got a list of people we want to have on the show. So we know in the future, we're going to have some very interesting hosts, uh, co-hosts with us. Um, we also are praying to get some great guests. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and when I say praying, it's mostly just me thirsting after beautiful women uh, that I would love to see on the podcast, namely Samantha Robinson uh, from The Love Witch, um, uh, who replied to one of our tweets once, and I exploded. Um, and then also, I've added to our list. I've been sending Don this. I've been sending That's Don right. random photos on Instagram. Uh, Sissy Stringer, who played... Right. Uh, well, safe, surf, she... safe Search Off, by the way. Good call. Safe Search Off. Who, who did she play in Mortal Kombat? Melina. Uh, <laughs> Melina. Yes, yeah. I don't. I don't care that her mouth was messed up. That woman is fine. I would love to have her on the podcast. Um, so uh, probably uh, after we receive cease and desist orders saying please stop tweeting us and please stop bothering yeah. us, we'll probably have oh, other no. one. We'll probably have other wonderful guests on the show. Uh, for now, all of our episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Thanks, Will. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm glad we could come to some kind of agreement. How about it? What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.